Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! This is Rhett from the Cannon Fire Podcast, and I am so excited to tell you guys about our newest sponsor, the East Bay Buccaneers. The Bucks are a Florida nonprofit organization sponsoring youth cheerleading for ages 5 to 15 and full contact football teams for ages 5 to 14. Right now, registration is open and teams are looking for athletes and cheer coaches. Register now, but hurry, teams are filling up fast. Climb aboard and join the crew. Fire the cannons and go Bucks. But this is a great group. I think we have the core here to win quickly. I'm not about building. I'm about reloading. And uh, with that, I can't say how, again, how excited I am to be a Tampa Bay Buck. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. If you're listening to us, we are on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and yeah, Google Play Music, maybe. I don't know. That one's weird. That's a question mark right now, so I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> but welcome back to the show. We are back at you today for episode 54, post-NFL Draft. When we left off, we were doing a live stream with you guys, and uh, we had talked about basically what we think is going to happen in the draft. Of course, the only thing that really came true that we expected to happen in the draft, I would say, is Devin White going first round. Bucks had options at that number five pick. Josh Allen was still on the board, I believe. Ed Oliver still on the board, and they picked Devin White. Hopefully that helps out. But let's get into the show. If you're new around here, I am your host, Rhett. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan. Evan, how you doing today, man? On video, by the way, for our friends yeah. on YouTube. So give us a good wave, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, hello, everybody. How are you? So I'm doing pretty good. Uh, like I said before, everybody has their own thoughts and opinions about this NFL draft. I know a lot of people have said a lot of good things. A lot of people have said a lot of bad things about the what the Bucks did. Um, but we're here today to basically tell you about our thoughts and bring you up to speed on everything Bucks news. First and foremost, before we jump into that, let's give a quick congratulations. Our guy, starting running back for the Bucks, Peyton Barber, just got his degree. He'll return to University of Auburn, get his degree. Um, so kudos to him. That's that's awesome. And the degree is uh, interdisciplinary studies. So that's some pretty knowledgeable stuff. I mean, whether you're on the football uh, football field or not. You think about all of these guys that go to college to play football and not really for anything else. So for him to go back, get his degree, and make the most out of it, that's pretty awesome. So congratulations, Peyton Barber. If I was him, I wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> no way. <laughs> hey, man, I mean, at some point, you got to have a fallback plan. Peyton Barber, a very talented running back, as we've seen before. But listen, something happens in the NFL, and and you just can't do what you need to do to 
support your family or support yourself in that situation, then by all means, a degree will help you out a lot there, especially with the background that he has. So congratulations to Peyton Barber. And before we jump into the draft as well, Evan, I kind of wanted to toss it into you. This has been not a hectic week, probably a slow week, but this is the time of year right after the draft. Everybody's kind of starting to ease themselves back into the building. We're getting into the groove of how this team is going to practice with each other week in and week out. Rookie minicamp is coming up, I believe, in about five or six days, May 10th, that kicks off. Um... But between now and then, you've got guys in there doing some pre-organized workouts, uh, doing some walkthroughs, kind of getting the hang of how things are going to work with each other. Um, so for anyone who's out of the loop or for someone who's missed it, just catch us back up on, on basically what we need to know Buccaneers football up until this point. Well, um, right now, they're it's like you said, they're going through their, their workouts. Um, a lot of the players are at one buck. Uh, they have done... Uh, a mini camp. It wasn't mandatory. Um, I believe Levante David didn't show up one day, showed up the other day. Um, Donovan Smith, I think, showed up one of the days. Jason Pierre Paul did not at all. Gerald McCoy did not at all. I think that might be it. Um, maybe one or two other guys. But um, now, like you said, rookie mini camp will start May 10th, and that'll go May 10th, 11th, and 12th. So that'll just be the rookies. That won't be any veterans on the field. It'll be on-field workouts for the rookies. Um, that's That includes draft picks, undrafted free agents, and tryout players. So guys that have not received a contract but are working to get one. So if they impress, a guy like maybe like Mac Loudermilk, I believe it is, a punter out of, uh, <laughs> out of UCF, a.k.a. you know, like a caveman guy. So um, he looks cool. I, I, you know, rooting for him to, to make, uh, get a contract to be able to compete in training camp. But, um We'll see. So this mini camp is everything for those guys. Um, that's uh, Adam Humphreys was a tryout player. He was not an undrafted free agent. He was a tryout player. And um, this worked out. He was able to he impress the mini camp. He got a contract. And he impressed in the training camp. Won the, won the job for that final wide receiver role. And now he's making $9 million in Tennessee. So that's why this next, not this weekend, but the next weekend is so important for these guys because this might be it for them. So that's oh, basically yeah. what's on right now. So the rookies, um, some might be in the – I don't know if some are in the building or not. They might be. Uh, but they'll, they'll be on the field next weekend working working out for the first time with their new coaching staff. And uh, and that guy you had brought up, the UCFO lineman, I forgot his name. But if you guys get a good look at him, you described him great. You said he's like the caveman guy. He looks like the love child – between Alex Kappa and Ryan Jensen, and then just grows a beard. You know what I mean? Like, he looks like the roughest, grittiest part of that offensive line, so I'm hoping he gets a chance to shine as well. Some other names you would... uh... What's up? The guy the guy talking about the punter. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about the... Uh... Okay, never mind. We're thinking of two different guys. Maybe, maybe we're not. Maybe I'm thinking of one guy. <laughs> Uh, my bad on that one. But there were some other names you would mention. Is... Alex Kappa and Ryan Jensen. But... Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I'm thinking image-wise of the same guy. I just must be thinking of the punter. Um, but there are some other names that you had brought up as well. Uh, JPP first and foremost. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, if you guys had not heard, he was involved in a single car accident, I believe, a little earlier this week. Um, not, not very similar to Kendall Beckwith. 
I'm still kind of upset that I made the joke that he didn't die. But anyways, uh, <laughs> um, not similar to Kendall Beckwith. He really didn't appear to be injured. No serious injuries, just a minor fender bender. Uh, he was in and out of the hospital, so hopefully he'll be back at practice whenever he shows up and uh, wishing the best for him. But if you guys hadn't heard, minor car accident for JPP. He's okay. No problem at all. Gerald McCoy has yet to show up. And mm-hmm. uh, that's that, that's kind of... That's kind of confusing. Um, I know Todd Bowles has mentioned it just recently. Uh, Let me see if I can find it here. Uh, Bucks Todd Bowles basically had the perfect answer when he was asked about Gerald McCoy. Um, He said, that decision is above my pay grade. So, I mean, that's probably the truest way he could have put it. I can't imagine there's any unspoken bias behind what he said. But... I imagine if you're a Bucks coaching staff, especially a defensive coordinator, you start to get concerned at this point, right? I mean, I know it's all but confirmed Gerald McCoy is going to be shipped off, but we've still gotten zero developments on that, and I really haven't heard anything moving forward. So, I mean, they've got to be talking to him at least, right, about coming in and showing face? Well, we'll see, because um, shortly after the rookie minicamp is the mandatory minicamp, so... If McCoy is, if Joe McCoy is still on this roster, he's got to show up, or else he's going to be fined uh, each day he misses. So um, that that's mandatory. So um, honestly, I'm going to be honest. If he's still in with the Bucks uh, by the time that mandatory camp rolls around and he shows up, I don't think he's going to go anywhere because I don't think because the Bucks aren't going to tell him if it's mandatory. They're not going to tell him to stay home because he'd be like, "Why would I do that? I'm just going to get fined." So, if he can, if they don't cut him before mandatory minicamp, and he says he's coming, okay, why would the why would the Bucks want to risk possible injury to Gerald McCoy? Because if he get if he gets injured, you can't cut him or trade him. So, I think that if I don't know the exact data when that mandatory camp starts, but it starts like maybe two to three weeks after rookie minicamp. So. Like maybe like first week of June, maybe last week of May, something like that. Um, if he shows up for mandatory minicamp, I'd say it's a good chance he's he's back. Um, and maybe they they uh, restructure Mike Evans' contract. They can save about eight million dollars there. Maybe they can cut Will Golston. They can save about I believe like three and a half million dollars there. There's a few options they have uh, to clear some money for to sign draft picks. Um, reminder, guys, draft picks. They're the teams. They have, the team has the rights to them, right? So there is no real deadline. Joey Bosa, I believe, they started the the the, the Chargers started the preseason when when jo- and Joey Bosa still wasn't signed. I believe they might have started the regular season and Joey Bosa wasn't signed. It worked out pretty well for them. So like everybody's saying, oh my God, the Bucks need money to sign their draft pick. It's not as big of a deal as some people are making out to be. All right. Oh, I thought I sneezed there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, Allergies are getting rough down here too, man. It's not like they're sitting there and they have to do it by June first. They don't. They they have literally the whole summer and then the the even part of the preseason. Obviously, in an ideal world, you like to have all your guys signed for training camp because if they haven't signed a contract, they can't go out and perform in training camp as is. So um, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Like. They're they're gonna make money when they need to make money. Like 
if they need to cut Joe McCoy or trade Joe McCoy, okay. If they need to restructure Mike Evans, okay. If they need to trade Cameron Bright, okay. If they need to cut Will Golson, okay. Like, if they want money, they can make it, and they can do it whenever they want. There's, yeah. there's no... And, and and the biggest message behind what you said is basically, you know, if they want to make something happen or if they're in the process of trying to make something happen, they still have so much time to get it figured out. And um, so going, there's no, no dates on those when that money becomes guaranteed. That's right. why Mike Evans is just a restructuring. With Gerald McCoy, there's zero guaranteed money there. Yeah. And then when it goes back to Gerald McCoy, which we had just talked about, um, a lot of people, including myself, kind of think the most rational, realistic situation this could play out is him being traded. A lot of people had seen rumors pop up last week about John Dorsey and the Cleveland Browns looking at getting uh, Gerald McCoy. And then a lot of people kind of came up with the speculation that it'd be a player-for-player -player trade, like a Duke Johnson for Gerald McCoy, which, frankly, we'd be lucky to get at this point. But... You hear the talks. Nothing is confirmed when it came to those Brown rumors. As far as I know, nothing was ever set into motion. There were no phone calls made between Dorsey or Jason Light. So people talk about Cleveland. But another team that kind of makes sense in that mix that I don't think a lot of people think about when it comes to Gerald McCoy, and this is all hypothetical, uh, but the Oakland Raiders, if you really think about it. First and foremost, you've got Brenton Buckner former Bucks defensive line coach all the way over there. You know, John Gruden has always had a soft spot for veterans in the league. And whether people like it or not, the rest of the NFL has viewed Gerald McCoy as the leader of this Bucks team for the past nine years. So, obviously, you've got Bruce Arians and Jason Light saying, we need to evaluate this guy. He's not the impact player. Uh, he's not the disruption that he used to be. But regardless, he's he's been fairly... I don't want to say consistent, but he's done his job for the most part. And when a lot of teams look for that, Oakland is one of those teams to me where, unlike Cleveland, they don't have talent at every single position now. Gerald McCoy could be a starting three-tech next to Jonathan Hankins in Oakland, and he'd be fine. Top that off with Brenton Buckner. I think Oakland is maybe something we should keep an eye out if it does develop into Gerald McCoy being traded somewhere. Now, I don't know what the trade in return would be. Obviously, that's got to be talked about, but I don't know. Do you have any teams that really come into mind when you think of Gerald McCoy being shipped anywhere? I think the Patriots make some sense um, just because they seem to like those types of guys. Um, they still have a need of the interior defensive line. Oh, they love their Michael Bennett's. So I, I, I do think it, it does make sense. Um, for some some things that, that I know that I can't really say, um, on here, I, I don't think Oakland is, is the spot um, where, where McCoy would go. Um, I mean, Brenton Buckner is there, but I mean, McCoy was only with Buckner for for one. Right, week. like it's it's not like he formed his career. I should have said that, but still. But I, I know, I know, and you're trying to connect the dots. It's just for some of the things that I know that I can't say. Um, maybe one day I will be able to say. I just don't see Gerald McCoy going to Oakland. Um, things could have changed, maybe, and. Maybe, you know, as soon as we're done recording this, he'll be traded to Oakland. But um, I, I can't see it. I guess I think the Patriots, I do think the Browns make sense. I mean, it makes sense why that report would come out. But uh, Rick Stroud did come out basically after that and said that he's heard that there's been no talk between Jason Light or John Dorsey. Um, 
but Stroud was also the one who reported that Gerald McCoy would be back. So, um, obviously, that was way early in the offseason, and things changed in the offseason so quickly. So, maybe Stroud had heard and the Bucks had decided to keep Gerald McCoy, and some things happened, and they're like, yeah. But just based on how Jason Light, Bruce Arians, and even Todd Bowles, that answer Todd Bowles gave, it doesn't sound like somebody that thinks or wants Jerome McCoy around, does it? That, that right. He doesn't, he doesn't sound too confident in if he's going to be here or not. He, he could have said, oh, yeah, Gerald's a great player, and uh, I, I can't wait to see him on the field here shortly, and uh, we're, we're, we're hoping uh, to get to right this ship. He, he didn't say that at all. He, he dodged the question, basically. So but, as a coordinator, and that would be one of your better defensive players, that doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, but you also think from, from Todd Bowles' perspective, I'm not going to say that, you know, he has some sort of agenda, but one of the things that I noticed that I think is the funniest thing about him is that when he walks up to the podium sometimes, he doesn't even say anything. He just walks up and he stands there, and then he just waits for questions. He's a pretty quiet quiet. Yeah. I mean, he had to deal with New York media for so long. I'm sure for him, Tampa's a walk in the park. Yeah. Hopefully he won't get his feelings hurt about what the reporters say like Dirk Cutter uh, seemed to do. But... Let's talk about this draft. That's what we're here to do. The NFL draft wrapping up about a week ago. The Buccaneers made their picks. And as you all know, as we all know, we brought it up before on the show. First round, your pick is Devin White, linebacker out of, uh, out, uh, 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 linebacker out of LSU. <laughs> uh, second round pick, things really took a turn because a lot of people weren't expecting it to play out the way that it did. Uh, Bucks passed up on Greedy Williams, and they took cornerback Sean Bunting, who is it Sean Murphy Bunting now? He he goes by Sean Murphy Bunting as of now. Yeah, his, his last it's gonna say Murphy Bunting. Yeah, so okay. Sean. That's going on the jersey, huh? I think I I'm not going to. Yeah, I think so. I would assume so. If that's what they're they're if that's what he told the media has been told that it's Sean Murphy Bunting. So it's gonna be a long last name. Yeah. So overall, before we break down pick by pick, this is a draft that you guys got to know. This was a very defensive draft. I mean, if you were looking for help on the offensive side of the ball, you, you came up pretty shorthanded uh, when the Bucks made their selections this year. But for a lot of people, uh, and it ended up raising more questions than it seemed to answer. And the only thing that I can make of it, before I toss it to you, and we'll kind of go back and forth on this, from the way that I looked at it, it's just a new coaching staff drafting guys that fit their system. I mean, am I wrong? They they were making – I'd say they were making safe picks rather than trying to reach here and there in the later rounds. Am I am I on the right track or am I completely wrong? I, I think you're on the right track. It, it seemed as if this was Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians running this, this draft. Um, Todd Bowles got a lot of guys for his defense fit well. Uh, with what he wants to do, uh, specifically uh, Devin White and uh, Mike Edwards. Uh, Mike Edwards can play safety, play corner, uh, very versatile guy. Uh, kind of like MJ Stewart, I believe. I think he was compared to MJ Stewart on NFL.com. I think that was him. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, like just like you said, they, they only drafted one player on the offensive side of the ball, wide receiver Scotty Miller. Um, but then they also drafted the kicker, but I don't, (laughs) (laughs) yes, they did. Yes, they did. Don't remind me. I don't understand why everybody hates it. Um, I'll I'll get to why I'll get to why in a minute, but 
you know, um, I don't count the kicker's offense. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't count the kick. <laughs> um, other than that, though, yeah, just like you said, I mean, it was a defensive draft. Uh, they did ignore the offensive line, which surprised many, including myself. But based on some of the, well, to the Bills who had gotten Cody Ford, they were at forty. They were at pick forty. The Bucks were at thirty nine, and Oakland, I believe, was at thirty eight. And the Bills had moved up from forty to thirty eight with Oakland pick Cody Ford. So the Bills on Twitter had put out one of those like video special things of yep. like behind the scenes stuff. And Brandon Bean, the Buffalo Bills general manager, thought that the Bucks were going to take Cody Ford if he was available. So that's why they needed to jump one spot ahead. And Joe Gilbert, the offensive line coach for the Buccaneers, at his press conference, basically confirmed that. I don't know if he meant to do that, uh, but somebody asked him, like, okay, you guys didn't draft any offensive linemen, you know, like, so what's the plan now? And he was like, well, you know, we we liked a lot of them, and, and we, were, we were one pick away from getting one. And if you look at the draft of each, the player selected before the Bucks pick in each round, the only offensive lineman that was selected before that was Cody Ford. So that means that they, if Cody Ford was there, they were going to select Cody Ford. Instead, they took Sean Murphy Bunding, who the Raiders and Lions had both had their eyes on uh, a few picks after the Bucks. And speaking of Bucks, uh, or speaking of Bucks picks that could have been made, or you know, you look at what was happening before, basically go back goes back to their draft board. Uh, one of the reports I read recently says that the Bucks apparently didn't have this is going back to the first round uh the bucks apparently didn't have josh allen that high on their draft board um when the bucks were set to select a player with the fifth pick of the draft last week josh allen kentucky edge rusher was still available however of course they called devin white i think we had talked about this on the show if it came down to devin white or josh allen i think the bucks are going to want devin white a little more that was ultimately the pick um so a lot of people, when the Bucks didn't pick Josh Allen, uh, they had wondered how such a talented pass rusher could not be picked up, especially when they had struggled with a pass rusher. Uh, well, the answer to that was written on their draft boards, and this comes from our buddy Scott Reynolds of Pewter Report, says that not only was LSU linebacker Devin White the selection all along, uh, Allen still may not have been the pick at number five, and they would have likely drafted another edge rusher ahead of of the Kentucky product. He said the Bucks like Kentucky edge rusher Josh Allen, but I don't know that he would have necessarily been the pick at five if if, if White had been drafted by Oakland at four. Um, Tampa Bay had an awfully high grade on Mississippi State defensive end Montez Sweat, which was actually one of my biggest fears, uh, who is faster, more athletic, and plays the run better than Allen does, in addition to having back-to-back years of double-digit sacks. So when it comes to Montez Sweat or Josh Allen... I can kind of see their concern. You know, we had brought up Josh Allen being a one-hit wonder in college uh, last time on the show. Sweat has back-to-back double-digit sacks. I can kind of understand the reasoning there, but I don't know, man. How does that make you feel? That would have been a reach, I think, at five for, for Sweat. For, for Sweat, yeah. Um, I don't want to discredit Reynolds' article. Oh, that's our boy. Come on. If... <laughs> If Josh Allen was available at five, they, I think they probably would have picked him, um, because I just think they would have. 
Uh, Montez Sweat was picked, what, 26 or something? So um, made that, you know, you don't know the medicals on that exactly. So might have been higher on the board, but maybe the Bucks looked at those medicals and said, hey, you know, uh, we're not sure about this. And also in Reynolds' article, it says that the Bucks actually didn't like Ed Oliver as much when the season ended, but during the draft process, they started to like Ed Oliver more and more, but they just couldn't, they couldn't, his his size just wasn't big enough for them. And Reynolds said that they didn't think that he would ever turn into an Aaron Donald-type pass rusher. Um, so that's why they, they didn't go with Ed Oliver either. Um, but like I said, I would have gone with Ed Oliver at five over Josh Allen and Devin White. So, um, but yeah, I'm not, not really sure what the Bucks thought process was on that. Montez Sweat, I mean, I would have picked Brian Burns before Montez Sweat, but yeah. Done, and, done doesn't really matter. So yeah, exactly. You can only do what you can, and uh, Bucks already did what they were going to do, and that's draft Evan White at five, and Sean Bunting in the second round. Now I wanted to talk about this Sean Bunting thing before we move on to the rest of the draft. Um, I brought up earlier in the show, the Bucks skipped on Greedy Williams. I know okay. you weren't too high on Greedy Williams. Um, I know a lot of people were. I know I for high on him. I wasn't too high on him, but right before the second round, I spoke to the source, and the source told me that the Bucks were interested in Greedy Williams if he was there, right? And I guess a lot of fans must have interpreted that as if Greedy Williams is there, the Bucks are picking him, because like right after they didn't pick Greedy Williams, a bunch of people replied to that story on like, oh yeah, so you got really good sources. I said they were interested. Like, I never said they were going to take Greedy Williams. They were also interested in Sean Murphy Bunting. So, like, here we I, are. I, yeah, I, I clearly you have interest in multiple guys. <laughs> you know, I, I I don't I don't understand. So just because I put out something that says they're interested in him, they, he might have been the second cornerback on their board right after Sean Bunting right there. Ben um, Reynolds had also actually said though that it was close. Like, it was like right here between uh, Sean Murphy Bunting. And Dalton Reisner, uh, the right tackle from Kansas State, um, for the 39th pick, and um, they said when it comes down that close, that they would rather go with the more pressing need, which was corner um, over right tackle. Um, and then Dalton Reisner ended up going, I believe, 41 two picks later to the Broncos. So, uh, yeah, and it, and Reynolds had said that the Raiders were prepared to take Murphy Bunting with the 40th pick. Um, so if the Raiders took Murphy Bunting at 38, then the Bucks would have taken Cody four to 39. But like I said, done now, can't really do much. Um, yeah. And then there's a video that comes out of Brad Brown's rookie minicamp that shows Greedy Williams giving the guy oh. looks like look, looks like Mike Smith, the defensive coordinator. He's giving the guy, <laughs> and he gets burnt. So I don't. I, know. Yeah, I was I was just about to bring this video up. The whole reason I brought up Greedy Williams is because for all the fans who. To this day, I mean, these are probably the same people who are saying we should have drafted Derwin James over Vita Vea. Um, but there's people to this day saying the Bucks should have gotten Greedy Williams. If you haven't seen this video yet, it is at Brown's Minicamp. You can check it out. Uh, Bias Buck fan on Instagram has posted it. Just a reminder why everybody, including the Bucks, skipped Greedy Williams. Like you had said, this is a video of him covering Dorian Baker for the Cleveland Browns, who, by the way, is six foot three. He's not five ten. He's not five eleven. Who is that? Is the is exactly? It's not like it's Odell, and he's like you know what I'm saying. It's the first day. 
But he's six foot three, and he's somebody you've never heard of. And this is a video of Greedy Williams playing, like you said, a Mike Mike Smith style defense. He's ten yards off of the player, and he still gets burnt. And he still gets burnt on the play. If you haven't I mean, checked it out, make sure you do. It's probably floating around Twitter everywhere. But Bias Buck fan on Instagram has it posted as well. I mean, he, he's a talented player, but I don't don't get me wrong. But it, yeah, for one of those those reasons were a big reason why many teams passed on him. I, I don't understand it. A lot of people were asking me, "Oh, how could you not take Greg Williams?" Five cornerbacks were selected before Greg Williams. Do do you not see what it's not like? It's, it's the not, name, man. It's not like the the Bucks at thirty. It's not like there was a, not a corner selected, and the Bucks at thirty nine picked Murphy Bunting, and then the very next pick was Greedy Williams. It's not like those were the only two corners. There was five other corners picked. The Giants traded up back into the first round and didn't take Greedy Williams. The Cardinals had the first pick in the second round, took a corner, not Greedy Williams. The Colts took a corner, not Greedy Williams. The Seahawks, who had a need at corner and liked tall corners, did not take Greedy Williams. Now, apparently, the Browns hopped ahead of the Seahawks because the Seahawks had two second-round picks. So the Browns hopped ahead of the Seahawks to draft Greedy Williams, or else the, the Seahawks would likely pick Greedy Williams. But, hey, I hope he works out for the Browns. Um, he would have been a decent fit in, in, in Todd Bowles' scheme, but a lot of those concerns that many of us had his tackling, his his will to, his desire to, to cover. He's a good cover corner when he wants to be a good cover corner. Can't give 15 yards of cushion in the NFL. And obviously he's going to get better. It was only one yeah. play first day of rookie minicamp. Um, but, yeah, I those guys don't freak out. Should they have drafted Derwin James in 2017 or 2018? Yeah, okay. Um, it's over. That's done with. Should yeah. they have drafted? Williams? No. I think that they made the right call. I would have taken Dalton Reisner there, but I'm not the GM, so um, my first two picks would have been Ed Oliver and Dalton Reisner, so build up those trenches, but hey, move on. Basically, looking at this video, it just gave me flashbacks of this Bucks secondary for the past three, four, five, six years. The past 84 years, the Bucks secondary has looked like this. So you look at this video, and then you look at a guy like VH3 playing outside. It's going to be the exact same thing. So just wanted to remind everybody that we're doing good over here with our second-round pick, Sean Murphy Bunting. But let's break down the rest of this draft. We'll go pick by pick. So we've got Devin White first round, Sean Murphy Bunting second round, and then... Uh, third round pick number 90, Jamel Dean, cornerback out of Auburn. So the Bucks took two defensive backs in a row. Three in a row if you count Mike Edwards, who was drafted, of course, after that safety out of Kentucky. What are your thoughts on this Jamel Dean kid? Yeah, so the Buccaneers had the 70th pick, and they ended up trading back with the Rams for pick 94 and 99. So with the 94th pick, they picked Jamel Dean, Quarterback from Auburn, who I actually heard a lot about with the Bucks. Like I just heard, like the Bucks like, pre-draft, like they really like this kid. And the biggest concern with him is he has an extensive injury history. Like the injury list is is like that. So I mean, he had a bunch of knee injuries and stuff in the knee with you know either ACL or whatever. It's just not that's not where you want to have a lot of injuries. It just makes it weaker. Um, Without those injuries, I've been told that 
he would have been in consideration for uh, a first round, a first round set slash early second round pick. Um, had he not had those injuries, he blew up at the combine, uh, ran a fast time. He's a tall corner, run a fast time. He was he's like six foot six one, running like a four three something, I believe. Um, so he ran a really fast time. I uh, had a great rest of the combine, and that's what got him here to Tampa. And um, another one of Todd Bowles' guys, uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, can also fly, and he's tall. So they want physical corners, and that's exactly what they're going to get with these with these two guys. Um, was a little head scratching that they would have picked uh, Jamal Dean um, over a trench player because I felt like they needed a, a trench player a lot more. Um, if they would have followed my thing, they would have been fine with Jamal Dean, but. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Ed Oliver around one, Dalton Rise around two, the Mel Dean, Mike Edwards. There's there's no issue there. Um, so, actually, Mike Edwards should have been Chauncey Gardner Johnson, but I don't know why he fell, but whatever. Um, so yeah, Jamal Dean, he got to stay healthy. That's that's the biggest thing. If he can stay healthy, I think he could could develop into a solid uh, nickel slash maybe outside cornerback. And. The thing that you had said that kind of kind of groups together this group of defensive backs that the Bucks took back to back to back. All of these guys have a tendency, at least from what I've heard, is that they're all they're all ball hawks. I mean, they are all guys who find a way to get their nose into the play more than anything. They're not going to put up any flashy interceptions, but they're going to get in there and disrupt the play. Um, and, and I mean, if that's what it takes to get it done in the secondary, then that's what it takes. I'm all here for it because listen, the more opportunities you get to take the ball away. We've heard time and time again, that's how you win and lose football games is, is win the turnover battle. So if you've got guys that can get in there and disrupt the play and open up an opportunity to make a play, I'm here for that. But moving on to round four. Avengers Endgame, right? Whatever it takes. Yeah. Get the ball. Wait, wait. <laughs> so real quick, since I've seen it, we're not really going to spoil it at all. Out of ten, Rhett, what would you give it? Endgame out of ten. Like one to ten? Yeah. Fan service is fan service, but I don't think fan service always equates to good quality cinematography. And I'm not saying that it wasn't a beautifully shot movie. I'm just saying there were some loose ends. I will give it an 8.759 out of 10. That That's that's my unofficial grade for, uh, for Endgame. What about you, man? What did you think? I was going to give like an 8.5, yeah. I- okay. I, I liked I liked it I I, I thought I thought Infinity War was better. Yeah, uh, that's that that's the consensus here too. Yeah, I I, I thought Infinity War was better. Uh, like I told you though, I'm not really big in that stuff. But I, I mean, I've seen like I saw the Avengers movies. I saw I saw both Avengers movies. I saw Guardians of the Galaxy. I seen Iron Man, so I know like enough. Um, I saw Infinity War, so, like, I knew, like, I haven't seen every single movie, like a lot of people have, um, but I, I've seen enough, so. Yeah. Uh, it was decent. Um, no spoilers, but there's some parts, like, they were, like, sad or whatever, but. It, yeah. I'll, I'll man up and I'll say this right here. There was one part in the movie that uh, that I did cry. I, I did cry, and. Is um, the part I assume, or? It, it probably is, yeah. The part yeah. right after the part you assume. With the lake. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. that one got me. So, okay. uh, so overall, I thought Endgame was pretty awesome. You liked it as well. Um, but yeah, if you guys haven't seen it, we're not going to spoil it for you. But make sure you get out there and see it because the spoilers. Uh, 
if we if we record like next week, yeah, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on in the Buccaneers draft, this is a pick that I really really like. Round four, pick 107, Anthony Nelson, defensive end out of Iowa. This dude is like six foot seven, outstanding length. He's fairly quick, but one of the things that you hear about him is that he's just got a motor. And when I hear about a defensive end of his stature that has a motor, I immediately think of a guy like Carl Nassib, who we commented time and time again last year, not just because he's big, tall, and white, but he's just (laughs) – you'll love what I have to say about Scotty Miller then. (laughs) Uh not just because he's big, tall, and white, but the guy has a motor. Like, he doesn't give up on the play. If he gets beat on a block, he spins around the block and still finds a way to catch up to the damn play. And if this kid is any inkling of that, then I've got a good feeling about this pick. I mean, he's and huge, too. Carl Nassau went to Penn State. That's Big Ten. Anthony Nelson went to Iowa. That's Big Ten. So Okay, yeah. Yeah, something about big, tall, white guys in the Big Ten. Something about it. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this guy? I thought it was a decent pick. I think this pick makes, out of all the picks, I will say I thought this pick made the most sense for the Bucks. They needed a, a trench guy, and I think they probably wanted the best available trench guy they could get. And He's a solid player, and if he can turn out like a Carl Nassib, because honestly, you don't know what's going to happen with Carl Nassib next year. Yeah. You don't know that. He's an unrestricted free agent next year. Um, so you really don't know what is going to happen with him. So we'll see. Um I do think that the Bucks like Carl Nassib. I think Jason Light loves Carl Nassib. Um, so I'm sure that, that they, if he has a productive year like he did last year, I'm sure they'd like to bring him back. But you don't know about his price tag. So having a guy like Anthony Nelson there, if Nelson can become like a Carl Nassib clone to get you five to seven sacks a season, you need those types of guys. Obviously, I still believe that they're in dire need of a premier edge rusher, and it won't come this offseason, but I bet I – I would make it a high priority no matter who the coaching staff is, who the general manager is next year. Make it a high priority to get a premier pass rusher. Not not just load up on defensive line. I mean, you have Vita Vey, solid piece. Don't just load up on just focus on defensive ends that can rush the passer. That's that's what I would focus on. Oh, yeah. um, Lee Nelson can, can do that, but he's not going to get you 12 sacks a year. He's just not. Um, so... We'll see. I, I, I did like this pick a, a good bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, it, it did make sense over the Bucks. Alrighty. So, I really like the pick. Like I said, behind Devin White, that's probably <laughs> maybe tied for my second favorite pick say, in this draft. I will um, say, after watching Devin White's press conference, he's impressed me. Oh, well, dude. Not- he is saying all the right things. I mean, he, he has got an idea of what he's supposed to go in there and do, and he is knocking it out of the park. So he's impressing with not only the, the Tampa press, the coaches, but hopefully he can get in there and, and learn the system and do some damage as well. And we'll see what he can do come training camp. But next pick we have on the board, round five, pick 145. Out of Utah, kicker number 97, Matt Gay. Bucks drafted a kicker. Trevor Sikama said it best on Twitter. If anything in life is certain, it's death, taxes, and the Bucks drafting a kicker. So, I can see the reason for drafting a kicker. I get it. I understand why they'd want to do it. 
I know that Matt Gay in particular brings a lot to the table that Cairo Santos can't exactly bring to the table. But I don't think you should waste. I don't want to say waste. I don't think you should use a fifth round pick on a kicker. But that's just, that's my deal. If they would have done things my way, this would have ended up differently. If they would have done things your way, this would have ended up differently. I just, I don't think a kicker is the move at five. I, I mean, I wouldn't have done it either, but I don't see. Obviously, it's not good value, but I don't know. I feel I feel like not as many people were complain. I okay. Here's my my theory. Like they didn't trade up to get him. He's not a kicker in the second. Don't get me wrong. I know, and I feel like a lot of people, like if the Bucks had never drafted Roberto Guayo, I feel like not a lot of people would care about this. They'd say, all right, we got a kicker. Let's let's get a consistent guy, make him our guy, right? Yeah, I, I feel like if the Bucks had never gotten Roberto Aguayo, never trade up to get him, and they just never got him, never had to go through that whole thing, nobody would care about a kicker in the fifth round. It's the fifth round. Tell me, one. I mean, Jason Light, that's been his bugaboo, honestly. As he's been good in the first round. He's been decent in the second round. Uh, third round, he's been solid. Uh, fourth round, he's been solid, but five, six, and seven have been bad. So, I mean, the kicker, I mean, you almost got you got a fifty-fifty shot of making the roster already. Um, they're going to take two kickers to camp. One thing I will say though, this does eliminate two possible two free agent possibilities, I believe, for the Bucks, and that's Matt Bryant and Morris Claiborne. Morris Claiborne, obviously, Bizet has drafted two defensive backs, which are basically the same exact thing as Morris Claiborne. And the others, because they have Matt Gay and Carlos Santos. You're not going to cut one of them before training camp, so you're going to let them battle it out now. Um, obviously, we don't know if they ever talked to Matt Bryant. We've heard rumors that they talked to Morris Claiborne. Um, we'll see. When it- maybe, I mean, I wouldn't – injuries can happen at any point, so maybe the Bucks are saying, hey, if one of these guys goes down at like a practice or something at OTA, like Isaiah Corral just went down, non-contact. Yeah, out for here. season. And they, they re- the Raiders re-signed Doug Martin. So that's why you sort of keep those guys sort of on speed dial. So if they say, oh, well, first day, if uh, Vernon Hargraves gets injured again, let's call it Morris Claiborne then. It, that that happens. A lot of NFL teams do that. And I think that's what the Bucks could be doing. Um, Can you believe? I'm sure of the exact date when it, uh, it affects the compensation picks. Like the compository picks or whatever, I'm not sure the exact date when that stops, um, but it's coming up soon. So you can sign soon. You can sign anybody you want, and it won't affect any comp picks. Can you believe there were Bucks fans actually rallying for a Doug Martin reunion in Tampa? That was a thing. Yeah, man, for like two or three I, days until the Raiders I, resigned him. I didn't. See <laughs> it, it was something I saw everywhere. It was like, how would everybody feel if we brought Doug Martin back and and he was our backup and. Honest, I mean, if you wanted running back depth, I mean. What's the shame in it? I get it because he's a guy who's been here before, but. There's no, I know, but there's no. I mean, you can't tell me Doug Martin is your third string running back is a bad thing. You can't tell me that. No, I won't tell you that. He'd be one of the best third string running backs in the NFL. I just, I don't know, man. Something about, not, something about Doug Martin back in Tampa just seems wrong to me. I wouldn't have done it either. I don't think Jason Light would have, but. Obviously, clearly he didn't, but yeah, I, I, I don't see that the 
the problem with it really but yeah i i, I didn't i didn't know that anywhere though that, that's interesting and then let me ask you about Mo Claiborne. This isn't exactly a question about Mo Claiborne in particular, because you had just said, you know, the Bucks did take three defensive backs. All of those are what Mo Claiborne plays. But we also kind of stressed the importance of going into this draft of veteran presence in the secondary. And as of right now, I think the veteran presence we have back there is Ryan Smith and Vernon Hargraves, who has barely seen anything on the field. So, with the time they have, you don't think the Bucks take anybody in the secondary for free agency? Where's the room? Where, if you add a guy, who's getting cut? You, you, you've already. So you have Carlson Davis. But let's look at think about the locks of the roster for a second. Carlson Davis, right? Vernon Hart. Carlson's doing. I'm doing corners. I'll do safeties. I okay. count. Right. Carlson Davis, Vernon Hargraves. Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean, right? That's four. Okay? Then you have fringe guys like Devontae Harris. He could be another guy. Um, if they want to maybe re-sign, I'm not sure if he, I don't think he's on the roster now, but maybe bring back J.V. Elliott. Okay? So, but let's just say Devontae Harris, right? So, let's see what you, have, you have five guys. Yeah. Okay? Five corners. Safeties. Mike Edwards. Justin Evans. MJ Stewart, Jordan Whitehead, Kentrell Bright. It's five safeties. If you sign a corner, who's going to leave? Who, okay, you and, can sign. And what's a it going to? You can sign a corner and cut Devontae Harris. Fine. So, so you're going to have Carlton Davis and the corner as the outside guys with Vernon in the slot, and then not play the rookies at all. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, I I don't see it. Okay. And it's same thing with safety. If you have Justin Evans and maybe Jordan Whitehead or Mike Edwards as your starters, and you sign a safety, does that mean Edwards goes down, Whitehead, and then you just have Kentrell Bryce, Whitehead, Stewart, and Edwards just sitting there? I know. Okay. I mean, it makes sense. Especially, I, I, I just Stewart and Edwards can both play nickel. They can both play nickel corner, so I, I don't Okay, I agree with you. It, it just, I don't know, something I hadn't thought about up until this point. So moving on into the draft, we are almost done. Going now into the sixth round with the 208th pick, the Buccaneers selected wide receiver at a Bowling Green, Scotty Miller. Now this is the other pick that probably ties for my second favorite pick because Scotty Miller, he's small, he's white, so you know exactly what I'm going to say, but he's a slot guy who has got some speed. Uh, is Adam Humphreys 2.0, I assume, right? He's not Adam Humphreys 2.0. He's he's Scotty Scott. Miller 1.0. Yes, Adam Humphreys ain't that fast. This dude can fly. But I don't. I've never. I've never seen a white receiver this fast in my life. Oh yeah, and he's a guy. Except for me when I play in the backyard. That is, that's different. <laughs> uh, and he's so. a guy too. <clears throat> you think about a lot of slot receivers. Uh, you have speedy slot receivers, but to get separation. Over the top or underneath, you got to be quick to do that. And this is a guy that we've seen do it time and time again. So not only to bring in a replacement for, of course, Adam Humphreys, who's in Tennessee now, but a guy who can come in and, and do the job better. And I, I, I think Scotty Miller is probably the latest draft pick we'll see on the field the most this season. Like, I, I think, you know. I you, wanna... Over Devin White? No, 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 no. I'm talking like later 
draft picks. I think we're going to see him as opposed to your um, as opposed to your 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 Terry Beckners, your Anthony Nelsons. Um, I think you'll see Miller on the field the most because he can just fit right in. Well, yeah, yes and no because Miller, while he might have been celebrating getting drafted after the draft. The Bucks added some serious undrafted free agent talent at wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about a guy like Demarcus Lodge, who I had like a fourth-round grade on, and he goes undrafted, that kid, he's got a shot to make this team. And, I mean, that's not good news for Mike Evans is a lock, Chris Godwin's a lock. Other than that, nobody's a lock. <laughs> like, Rashad Perryman, sure, but he's not a lock. Like, if multiple receivers are outperforming Brashad Perryman, they will cut Brashad Perryman. Um, I don't think it will happen. I think Brashad Perryman will make the roster. So that's three spots. The Bucks will probably carry on the five or six wide receivers. So you got two. So Justin Watson, maybe. Bobo Wilson, I don't think Bobo's going to stay. I, I don't think Bobo's going to You don't think stay. so? You don't think he squeezes no. it out another year? No, I don't think. Not with. I was playing. I was playing Madden franchise the other day, and I had Bubba Wilson returning my kicks in the Super Bowl. He took it to the house. There you go. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So you then. So let's say that they only carry five. So let's say you got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rashad Perryman, Justin Watson. Then that five, fifth one, Scotty Miller's got to make this team first because not only does he have Demarcus Lodge coming for him, who I think is the better wide receiver than Scotty Miller. He's got Anthony Johnson from Buffalo coming for him. Anthony Johnson's good too. Like if I were the Bucks, I don't I don't know how you're gonna have to cut one of those three. Because the most you can carry is six. You, you can't yeah. carry seven wide receivers. So I wanna keep I would want to keep Justin Watson. My thing would probably be Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rashad Prayman, Justin Watson, Scotty Miller, Demarcus Lodge, put Anthony Johnson on the practice squad and see if he gets back from there. That's what I would do. I agree with and then, you. And then next year, Johnson, if Perryman leaves, Johnson can fill into that slot. Oh, yeah. It's going to be some tough competition out there. Uh, like you had said, a lot of the undrafted free agents that I have yet to mention, you mentioned a few of them, but they're, they're some talented guys. So I'm sure it'll make training camp, mini camp coming up. It'll make it very, very interesting to watch. But let's go over the last pick in the Buccaneers 2019 NFL Draft. <laughs> Round 7, pick 2 15 Terry Beckner Jr. defensive tackle out of Missouri. This is a guy who I think for a lot of people he's a later round draft pick, not a lot of eyes on him, but one of the things that I've heard about him is his football IQ and his intelligence on the field can help him out quite a bit here and there because sometimes you're just in a work smarter not harder situation. So that that's where he can flourish. Um I haven't seen a whole lot of him. I know he's pretty disru- uh, I know he's pretty disruptive at defensive tackle, but what are your thoughts on this guy? I mean, just like you said, it's seventh round pick. It's harder to get an idea, you know, when it's when it's a guy not a lot of people are talking about. Yeah, but I mean, he went to Missouri, so the the tape's out there. Um, he's got some potential, maybe as like another like practice squad stash guy. Um, I don't think he makes the team, but maybe he does because if they don't keep Gerald McCoy, they're going to be awfully thin at defensive tackle. So um, if they do keep Gerald McCoy, though, I don't see a way Beckner Jr. makes his team. 
Um, it's obviously McCoy, Vea, Bo Allen, um, and maybe like Nacho um, would would make it. But yeah, uh, T- Terry Beckner, I, I can't see him making the roster if those guys are all there. Um, he does have some potential, though. He's he's not the most athletic guy, but just like you said, you know, he's got a good football IQ, and um, the the Bucks really, really like his his uh, the, the character, uh, yeah. the, the 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 person. Um, Jason Light. The biggest thing Jason Light has learned in his general manager thing is get guys with good character. You don't want any more Chris Bakers. Deshaun Jackson was bad. He wasn't Chris Baker bad. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, he does that 2017 free agent class. Okay, the two things that set the Bucks back pretty far, and it was light two biggest light light two biggest mistakes. It's all it's all Washington's fault. The twenty <laughs> the 2017 free agent class and the 2016 draft class. If both of those are fixed to be even maybe decent, the Bucks are really good right now, and Dirk Cutter still might be the head coach. Because in the 2016 class, you got to think, they picked Vernon Hargraves, who hasn't lived up to the bill, right? They picked Noah Spence, who, while injured, had still hasn't lived up to the bill. They picked Roberto Guau, not even on the team. Uh, they picked Ryan Smith, str- might struggle and make the team. Well, actually, I actually forgot to add him in my corner, so he'd be one of the corners, too. Um, Caleb Bannock, who's terrible. Uh, that's not a good class at all. That's horrible, right? Um, so you could argue if they had a decent class there, they have more talent now. So, um, and also the Buccaneers picked up Vernon Hargrave's option. I'm not sure if we've said that on this podcast or not, but we were, we were wondering a few days before yeah. we were, before that news came out, if they were going to do that, and they, they just did that. So the 2017 free agent class to, to wrap this up pretty quickly was Sean Jackson, Chris Baker, JG Wilcox, and basically TJ Ward, even though. It was like a trade-off for Wilcox and Ward. Uh, Wilcox never played a thing for him because they signed T.J. Ward right before the season started. They had to trade J.J. Wilcox away. Yeah, uh, I think Wilcox was – I don't know, man. I think that could have panned out more than we think it should have. I think T.J. Ward as well. I think both of those guys, you know. Talented dude, yeah. Um, and then Deshaun Jackson was there. He was okay the first year. He was decent the second year, just – in the locker room, just didn't really mesh, and Chris Baker was bad on the field and off the field. So that's one of the biggest things that Light has learned, though. Uh, get guys with good character, and that, that's a big check mark. Guys like Dan White, it's a big check mark. Guys like Bo Allen, good character guy. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a huge thing for, for Jason Light in this whole draft process. So overall, uh, I'll, I'll give you an overall grade right now. And then we can either wrap this up or move into something else if you want. I got one more point, and then we'll uh, then we'll wrap up and get out of here. But give me your draft grade. I got a B minus for this class. Um, yeah, I, I it's personal preference. I uh, would have liked to see the trenches addressed more. I don't really care what they do because it doesn't doesn't affect me one way or another. But if I was a general manager, that's how I would be grading it. Uh, a, a B minus, just because. I like the Devin White pick a lot. Like it's, it's a, he's a good player. I just would have picked Ed Oliver over Devin White. Um, Bunting, Murphy Bunting, good pick. I would have picked Dalton Reisner, but I see why they picked him. Jamel Dean, I thought was eh. Mike Edwards was okay. Anthony Nelson was good. The kicker, I wouldn't have drafted the kicker, but I think I gave him like a like a C minus for the kicker pick. Um, 
So, I mean, Scotty Miller, I gave him like a C plus, I think. No, like a B minus, and back in the day, I gave him like a C plus. So, overall, B minus class. It wasn't wasn't too bad. It wasn't too great. Um, if those, you know, if, if Devin White, Murphy Bunting, and a guy like Edwards can, can pan out this class, and Matt Gay can beat out Cairo Santos and become a consistent kicker, this class will look really good. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm not going to agree with you either, though. I gave this draft a C+. Um, and mostly, as you said, it does come down to bias. I, I personally don't think a kicker should have been in the mix. I can see the need for one, and hopefully, as you said, it does pan out. Because if he does come in here and beat Cairo Santos for the kicking job, that's not only going to look really good on Jason Light, but it's going to give me a really, really good sense of confidence about the kicking game going forward, which is something we talk about each and every year. Another downfall is just three defensive backs in a row. I get it. Again, it's another one of those picks that it wasn't up to me. It was above my pay grade. I don't get paid at all to do this, so what the hell am I talking about? But it's something I wouldn't have done in particular. Something I stressed coming into the draft is putting a veteran presence back there and not just throwing more rookies on it to cover up the problem. But if that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. And like I said with the Matt Gay pick, hopefully it works out and we uh, we see some good things out of these guys in training camp. But the rest of the class is solid. Devin White was my guy pretty much since day one. We started talking about the NFL draft. He was always at the top of my board. Uh, Excuse me. The pass rushers as well. Beckner, like you said. Not a real possibility of him to make a team, but he's not a bad pick for him being there. Anthony Nelson should pan out, and uh, I'm excited to see what these guys can do. Very excited about Scotty Miller as well. But let's wrap things up here. We wanted to talk about guys with good character, and we wanted to talk about our guys, not other guys. Uh, Let's talk about our guy, and our guy is number three, the quarterback, Jameis Winston. Something we've seen from him, I feel like we've seen it every year, but it's something that gets overlooked by a lot of people because, you know, if you ask me if I'd rather have this in my franchise quarterback or a guy who just shows up when he has to, Jameis Winston has to be kicked out of one-buck place every day. I mean, as far as we know. Wrong. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right? Jameis Winston has to get kicked out of one-buck place the other day. Every day. And uh, it's not because of anything he's doing wrong. It's the fact that he's not going home and spending time with his family because he's at one buck trying to make himself better. His schedule, as far as we know, is 5-5, to and Byron Leftwich has to chase his ass out of there every day. He he doesn't even care about his family, see? (laughs) (laughs) What a terrible person. I think America spends every day with his family. (laughs) But this is the quote from Bucks offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. Uh, He basically said he has to run Winston out of the building, and that is one of the best things that he's there all the time working on his craft. As a coach and as a fan who's looking for the next franchise quarterback, you have to appreciate that, and you can't take that away from him. Here's the quote. It says, well, the best thing is we have to run the kid out of the building. As you know, this kid Jameis is here all the time. Jameis is here all the time working on his craft. So as a coach, you appreciate players that go about it the way he goes about it. So it's excellent from that standpoint. Now, we just have to input the information that he needs to be able to execute this offense the way we would like him to execute the offense, but he's doing a hell of a job. He's picking it up quick. Now, it's just getting through the little new offenses and having an understanding of how we manipulate defenses and how we're able to operate at a high level. So there's no questioning that this guy wants to win. We've been saying that for years, and I know for a lot of people, they hear this, they're like, oh, well, Jameis has been in one buck five to five since he was a fucking rookie, and... Yeah, you guys have heard this each and every year, but you cannot, 
You cannot take that away from them. And like I said before, if you if you're looking for traits in a quarterback, I think that's one of the most important things is uh just having a guy who wants to go in there and do the best that he can. He wants to win and and good character doing so, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, got to prove it on the field first, but you know, you you, you don't want a guy. That's, that's not going to put in the effort. And, I mean, effort is something that Jameis Winston gives every time. Um, that's something I, I – a lot of people may may question his decision-making, may question his football IQ, but not many people question his effort when, when it comes to football because he loves his game, he loves to win, he wants to win. So he's going to do everything in his power. He's going he's gonna to do everything in his power to win. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Um, recently, most of the time, it hasn't. So, big year for him, and he knows it. So, that, that's why he's he's not stopping the grind now. Exactly. But, Bucks fans, all of that to say this, it is time to get excited. We're in a very slow time of the year. We've been saying that the past few episodes. Uh, but things are going to ultimately play out, and, and we're going to see what this team looks like and, and what we can expect on the field once we get closer to training camp. So be excited for that. May 10th, rookie minicamp is going to start, so you'll get a good look at those rookies coming in and making a name for themselves as well. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening or watching us, whether it's on YouTube, listening on iTunes, Google Play, which is a question mark, um, Spotify, and of course, podbean.com. You can follow the show on social media. We are on Instagram at Cannon Fire Podcast. We are on Twitter at Cannon Fire Pod. You can follow my co-host Evan at Bucks Way, formerly Bucks Football, on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also follow myself at Redicus on Instagram and Twitter. Follow me. I'll follow you back. Make sure you check out our partners at PewterReport.com for some of the best Bucks coverage in the game. And last but not least, check out our sponsors, the East Bay Buccaneers. Registration is open now. Full contact football teams for ages 5 to 14 in the Hillsborough County area. Cheerleaders 5 to 15 looking for teams, athletes, and coaches. Registration is open now, but you better hurry. Teams are filling up fast. Until next time, I am Rhett, signing off for Evan, and we'll catch you next time. Go Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 